Let me invite you to join me in Psalms 27 as we read together this morning. Last week, we talked about the strength that we need and that God wants us to have that strength. And and we discovered uh, that there is a three-sided strength that is going to carry us through this year. Now, we've got a lot of of thoughts, a lot of things happening in our minds and and in our uh, everyday dealings with people. And we mentioned this last week. You know, uh, many of us, we don't uh, smile anymore. We don't laugh anymore. Everything is, is just serious. And, and all of this has just come upon us because of this last year. And, and you know, all we can think about is, is what happened last year. What, what's going on? Because it's now carrying over. But let me just mention to you right quick. Some of you uh, may have already taken the, the vaccine for the virus. Some of you may be trying to decide, do I want to take that or not? I got a shot Thursday. The, uh, the hospital out here made arrangements for pastors to come and get the shot. So I, I took the shot Thursday. I didn't feel any chips go in there. <laughs> and if it was, I hope it was a Frito. I like those. And I've told you before, you know, uh, they don't have to put a chip in you to trace you. They, they can trace you. Uh, they, they know just exactly what you're doing. Uh, you use your computer. You get on Facebook. You use your debit card. There's a lot of ways that when you do something, they, they know what you're doing. So uh, all of those things are uh, kind of a moot point. Now, let me mention to you, you know, people say, well, uh, there, there's problems that it makes your arm sore. Well, Yeah. It does, and, and my arm is sore, but only if I mash on it. So I don't sit around mashing on it all the time just to see if it's sore. I go back on the, on the 4th of February, and that's when they, she said, I'll take the booster. And then after that, things are supposed to be good. So I'm going to do the best I can to make it to the booster. But let me just, I said all that to say this, they, they are uh, giving those shots. And, and if, you know, if, if this is troubling you and bothering you, there's no reason for us to not to go and, and do what God has provided for us. Because I believe he's provided this vaccine for us. And so uh, we can take it, we can use it. It's kind of like a flu shot, uh, kind of like a pneumonia shot. Those pneumonia shots I took so I wouldn't get pneumonia anymore. They hurt worse than this thing did. So it's up to you. I just want you to know uh, that it's, it's not near as bad as what, what folks think. So keep that in mind. Plus, it might put a smile on your face. Might make you, might make you enjoy things. Might, not, might make you so mad uh, all the time. But we've got to have the strength to get through this. And we've got to have the strength to make it through this year because I'm, I'm making plans. I, I really believe that God is, is at work and that God is going to begin to move. 
I'm, I'm looking forward to the time we can open this back up to Sunday school. I'm looking forward to the time when we can all come back together. I'm looking forward to the time, and you'll never hear me say this again, but I'm looking forward to having vacation Bible school. I've practiced that statement for about three, four, five weeks. But we need to get, we need to get busy. We need to get back. We need to get, we need to get active and, and get going again. So we need, we need strength to do that because we're, we're tired. Uh, we're, many of us, as we used to say, we give out. And we give out because of all the stress that's, that's been placed upon us and, and the things that we don't understand. So we mentioned the fact that God wants us to understand the, the three sides that bring that strength to us. And we talked about the strength that was in, in the triangle. And we mentioned uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now, now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these, he says, is love. It doesn't mean that, that love is the greatest thing that we need so that uh, all we have to do is, is love somebody or love the church or love to do something. And then God's going to say, gee, that's nice. Come on up. The reason it's the greatest thing is because it is an eternal thing. Faith is what we have to bring us to the point of accepting Christ and then helping us by the power of the Spirit to uh, accept the things of Christ and live for Him and walk with Him and accept that by faith. But faith ends when we step into heaven. Hope. Hope. We, we have a hope that we're going to be made whole. We have a hope that this virus is going away. We have a hope that things are going to change and things are going to get better. We have that hope and we need that hope we cling to that hope, but hope ends when we get to heaven. We don't need it anymore. So the greatest of this is the love that we have, and God wants us to know He is the love, Jesus is the hope, the Holy Spirit is the faith part, okay? That's that triangle. And there's strength there. If we will love as God wants us to love, if we will uh, ex uh, use our faith as God, that God has given to us and, and strengthen ourselves, then folks, this, this is going to uh, change our lives completely. But there's another thing that goes along with this that, that I want to center on this morning and talk about. And we're going to talk about three things here uh, in this 27th Psalm. But what you and I need to understand with this is that strength for the day, for the week, the month, the year. Strength comes from our worship of God. And you say, well, preacher, I'm here. And if the lights go out, don't worry. You can go to sleep. I know what's there, okay? Worship is not just what you do right here. And walk out those doors and then forget about it the rest of the week and come back and say, I've worshipped. Folks, worship is what you do, should do, every day. Worship God. Worship Him. That's what David does in Psalms 27. First of th the first thing we see here is David offering worship unto God. And true worship is our strength. Day week, month, year. There's your strength when we truly worship God. Notice, if you will, in verse 1 of Psalm 27, 
Notice how David begins this. And he said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, my enemies and my foes, come against me to eat me up, to eat my flesh, they stumble and they fall. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I am confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. After that, David begins to offer his prayer to God. Now, folks, let me help you with something here. To worship God is not to bow your head and say, God, give me A, B, C, D, E. God, here's what I want you to do today. A, B, C, D, E. God, this is what I need in this day. A, B, C, D. See that you get it done. Amen. And you say, I don't pray like that. Think about your prayers sometimes. I've caught myself telling God what to do instead of giving Him my heart. How many of you take time when you pray to say, God, thank you for every good and perfect gift that you've given to me? You do that? Because He does, doesn't He? God grants us those gifts. But now let me ask you something. When you praise God for the gifts that He's given you, do you give them back to him? You see, he blessed us as we worshiped, and we can bless him as we worship him. God will take those gifts, and he will use them for me, for you, for others. Thank you for what you've given to me. And God, may you use them to bring strength to those that are around us. David pours out his heart to God. As we get down, you look down in verse 10. He said, when my father and mother have forsaken me, his enemies have come against him. His enemies have tried to destroy him and pull him away. <coughs> He's being pursued. And through all of that, David said, God, I love you. We need that strength, don't we? You need it. I need it. We need strength to face the enemies that surround us. The enemies that are against us. We need the strength to endure. We need the strength to continue. We need the strength to move forward for God. But it's not a once a year thing. You know, we, we say a few little things about those that are, we call them in the church, two-timers. And we call them two-timers because they come to church Easter and Christmas. And that's good enough. I, I come on those holidays and, and that's good enough. I don't need to do it again. Then there are those that they, they shut their mind off. And they say, I don't believe all of that. And they shut their mind down. And they may sit in the church, but they shut their mind down because I don't really care for what they're trying to say because it's not real, it's not right, it's not true. I can't see it. I don't understand it. And so they close everything off. Then there are those in the church that I call the ho-hummers. It's the same thing every week. And so we just kind of sit. We're not thinking. We're not listening. We just kind of sit. And let, let 
the preacher get through and then we can go on and we can do our thing. And then there are those that say it doesn't matter. We come into the church, we hear what God says, we know what God says to our hearts, and yet we go and do what we want to do until we get back. Folks, we cannot worship doing those things. And I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I don't know. That's just, that's just those that, that I, I know about, those type things that happen inside the church. You know, I, my, my grandkids every once in a while, especially when they were little, uh, I think it was, I don't know, Jaden, Jake, one of them. But we got home from church, and one of them said, why did you yell at us? <laughs> and I said, because there are a lot of people that are asleep, and I have to keep them up. What I said was, and folks, I, I can't help it. Right. It's been over 50 years doing this, but let me tell you one of the reasons that, that I do. It excites me to know that God is doing something for me. And I want you to know what God is doing. And I want you to know what this scripture says. And I want you to know we do not have to be afraid because the Lord is. Did you see that? Now, I pointed that out in, in uh, Psalms 46 uh, several months ago when we were uh, looking at that passage. God is my refuge and my strength. And I pointed out to you that David wrote and said, God is. And I want you to know, my friend, God is. And we don't have to be afraid. Careful? You betcha. Do what we're supposed to do? Yes. Wear the mask. I'm getting used to it. Don't like it, but I get used to it. Wash my hands? Yes. Do that. Stay away? Sure. Do those things. But we don't have to be afraid of what God can do for us. Let's talk about this strength. There's three things that he mentions to us about the strength that you and I need as we worship. And we find it when we worship. And notice the first verse now. The Lord is, now that word's been inserted, but basically it's to make that sentence just a little bit better. If you were read it from the Hebrew, it would say, the Lord, my light and my salvation. But the insertion says, the Lord is. Who is he? He is my light. See that? The Lord is my light. Now, anytime you see the word Lord there, as it is printed, it usually refers to Jehovah God. That's, that's the Hebrew name for him, Jehovah. That's where we get the phrase, I am. He is Jehovah. And so what David said, Jehovah is my light. But in John 8 and verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Those that follow me will not walk in darkness, but they will walk in the light because I am the light. And so we have many that don't understand what that light is and what the light is for. Now, Jehovah God, as David describes it here, is the one that searches for us in this world. Because every one of those who do not know Christ as their Savior are walking in darkness. But the problem is, we don't comprehend the darkness. And John told us that in his gospel. When he introduced Jesus 
and started talking about Jesus as he was born into this world. He didn't spend much time on the birth of Jesus, but he talked about the fact that Jesus had fulfilled a lot of prophecy. And then he said, he in him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. But now notice this. And the darkness does not comprehend him. So you see, there is a darkness that Satan uses. And when we don't comprehend Christ, it is because of the darkness of Satan. And it's not the blackout type. It's the the darkness that Satan brings to us that will not let us understand who Jesus is. And some of you will say, I've never seen that light. That light's never come to me. Well, let me knock that out of the way right quick. John says he is the true light, which lights every man that comes into the world. You don't have an excuse. The light's there. And the light's been there for you. And so you can't say, I never did see it. And God will say, yes, you did. You didn't comprehend it. You didn't understand it. Now, why did God bring this light to us? And why does God bring this light to us? He wants us to understand our sinfulness. He shines on that sinfulness. He exposes that sinfulness. And because of that, God is trying to make us understand that it is that sin that's in your life that separates us from Him. And He doesn't want that separation. It is that sin that God is punishing. He doesn't punish us. He he hates the sin that's in our life. And if we choose to die in that sin, it's not because God is punishing you. It's because that's the way that you chose. And God can't do anything about that because you would not allow him. Now, Satan begins to work and he gets us used to this, this darkness that he has that surrounds us. We don't see the things of God. And when people begin to talk about God, All of a sudden, uh, we kind of turn that off because we don't comprehend that. I don't understand that. I've talked to people uh, about doing Bible studies at times, and and some will say, I I just don't do that. And basically what they're saying is, I don't know anything about that, and I'm not going to come and find myself exposed to the ignorance. And so we we just don't come. We don't do that. Satan blinds us to that. It makes us understand we don't need those type of things because you see what he's doing is that he takes us and exposes us to a counterfeit light. We think it's real. We think it's going to help us, but it's not going to make any difference in our life. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 as he described this this Satan that causes this problem with us. And as as you understand it and look at it, all of a sudden you begin to see what Jesus is trying to say to us here, verse 14. And he says, and and don't marvel at this, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He's not red, he doesn't have horns, he doesn't have a tail, he doesn't carry a pitchfork, he doesn't blow fire. He is the prettiest thing you've ever seen. And that's what Lucifer means, he's the shining one. And Lucifer was created by God to take care of the throne around him. All he had to do was just do as God made him to do. But Lucifer wanted to rise above. And now what he wants us to do is to rise above with him. We want to go above the things of God. 
And God shines his light on that and says, understand, that's not what I want. That's not what I need. If you look back in, in, verse, in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, Paul said, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For God commanded the light to shine out of darkness and hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What Satan wants us to understand is there's no need for salvation. You do good. You love people. You, you go about uh, helping people along the way. You don't need this church business and you don't need Christ. Everything is going to go work for the good and we're all going to heaven. And God is shining the light on that humanism and God is shining the light on universalism and God is shining the light on you and he shines the light on me to expose the sinfulness that Satan is bringing to us that keeps us from God. I've mentioned this before, but let me mention it to you again. There is no such thing as darkness. You say, well, boy, I've been in the darkness. You know... There's no such thing as darkness. It's the absence of light. That's all it is. And if you're living in darkness, it's counterfeit. See, Satan wants to keep you in his little realm. But Jesus is, is shining. But he blocks that with, with this darkness. He'll blind your eyes to what Jesus is trying to do. But this darkness is not real. Because here there's a light there. And wouldn't you rather, now think about it for a minute, wouldn't you rather live in the light of the glory of God in heaven where there's no need for the sun, the moon, or the stars because Jesus is the eternal light and we will live in that light forever and ever and ever? Or had you rather be exposed to eternal darkness because there's no light there? You can't see you don't know what's here. You don't know what's there. I had one of my schoolmates in high school. I talked to him about Jesus, and you know what he said? He said, I want to go to hell because all my friends will be in hell. That's what he said. And I said, they may be, but you'll never know it. And folks, you'll never know it. The torment, the suffering, the hurt, and the darkness will keep you from enjoying anything. Why not come to the light and understand the eternal light that, the pre that is present with us today? Notice this. The Word of God in Psalm 119, 105 says, The Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So God shines His light on the path that leads to Him. That's what He wants us to understand. He shines His light on the joy that can be in our hearts every day as we come to worship Him. He brings joy and He lifts us up as we say, Christ lives in me. It's Christ in me. It's not anything else. It's Christ in my life. He shines the comfort of His grace upon us. When we need that comfort, when we need that peace, God shines that light of peace and comfort on us. He shines the light of His goodness. And He shines the light in the darkness of our despair. 
All we can see sometimes is just like this. And nothing else is out there except that darkness that we see down this tunnel. And everything is bad. And everything is going to, to take, us, uh, take our life away. And everything is going to ruin us. And everything is going, going bad. And there's no, nothing else out there. We need to take the blinders down. Because there's a light shining in this world. And His name is Jesus Christ. The Lord is my light. He lights our hearts with faith. We need to tear down that, that, and not fear that power of darkness. In fact, Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. That you can withstand the methods of Satan. Put on that armor, folks. Because he would love to put Christian people in his darkness. And that's what we're seeing. You put on the helmet of salvation. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. You gird your loins with the gospel of truth. You put on your feet the gospel, uh, pre- shoes of preparation of the gospel of peace. You take up the sword of the spirit and you take up the shield of faith. And after Paul tells us to get dressed, he said, and now stand. And that's what we got to do. But if we don't have the strength, we can't stand. And the way we gain that strength is by worship. He is my light. The Lord is our light. He is the great I am. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? He is the great I am. He shines on, on all the things that are around us. And He shines on that question. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? I'm not talking about some big bully. I'm talking about the things of this world. Who can make us afraid? Who should we fear if God is on our side? Who should we fear? None. Because the Lord is my light. Notice the second thing he said. The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. Now that word salvation means deliverance. It means safety. It means saved. Now, when you, when you think about it, you say, well, saved from what? Well, if you read about Jesus and the story of Zacchaeus, Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save those that are what? Lost. Lost. What does he mean? You see, in this darkness that Satan puts us in, you and I begin to wander because we want something but we're not sure what it is. That's why we have all this mess going on around us. And that's why we have uh, people that are lashing out. And that's why we have all of this material stuff out there that we think if we can take a drink or take a drug or do this or do that or go here or go there or, or uh, get caught up in, in all of this mess that, that we read around us, if we can just do that, then we find joy and happiness and peace and release and everything that we need. But it ends. And all of a sudden, it doesn't affect you anymore. All of a sudden, it doesn't bring joy to you anymore. All of a sudden, it begins, uh, all of a sudden it begins to, uh, to rob you. And so we go looking, looking, looking. We're lost. Because you see, God is here. There's a chasm called sin right here. And we're over here. And you know what you're looking for? You can walk up and down that chasm of sin. And you may not see anything. And here's what you're looking for. You're looking for what God did with the cross because he took that cross and he laid it across that chasm and he said, whosoever will may come. You see what I mean? We're lost looking for the way to come to Christ. 
And we do it through that cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jehovah God says to us, Romans 8.1, beautiful verse. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. Because in Christ, He is the light that brings us to life. And He gives us life. And Jesus wants to expose our sin so that we can avoid the wrath of God. So that we'll not be caught up in being lost and seeking the things of God. We have to be delivered because if we're not, we are separated from God. One other quick Bible story. You remember the story of of the rich man and Lazarus? Lazarus laid the gate. The angels came down. They picked him up. They took him into heaven. The rich man died. And here's the words of Jesus when he said that. And the rich man died and in hell. He lifted up his eyes. Father Abraham, God, let Lazarus dip his finger in water and come down and place it on my tongue because I'm tormented in these flames. He said, there's a great chasm fixed. And Lazarus can't come to you. You can't come to him. You see, what God wants us to understand about the salvation that he brings to us is that he wants to deliver us. Because if we die without Christ, we are going to be eternally separated. There's a chasm. We can't, we can't come into heaven and just say, okay, God, I really didn't mean it. It's too late. And one of the things that, that always compels me, I thank God for the love of, of Christ, but I could not stand the thought of being in one place for eternity and my wife and my children and my grandchildren and my brother and my sister-in-law and my nieces and my nephews and my son-in-law. I could not stand to be separated from him. Could you? And I can say today, thank God, we're going to heaven. Because we saw the light that Christ placed upon us, and each one of us individually accepted him as our Savior. Can you see what God wants to do for us? God wants us to know that the light is shining so that you wouldn't have to be separated from Him. And the blessings and the joy and the comfort and the peace were separated from God. But we are delivered from the wrath of God. And you say, oh, well, preacher, you know, God, God is not that mean of a God. He is a God of love. And you're just missing the point there. Well, there's one thing I can tell you, and that's what the Scripture says. In the book of Revelation, it said, and the people, as everything was, was, is falling apart on this earth, the people say to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. You understand? There's coming a day, and I, and I don't mind telling you this because you know I believe it with all of my heart. There's coming a day when Jesus is going to stand in the heavens and he's going to call his church to him. And those who have been born again that believe in him as Savior, we, they are going to be caught up. Wham! And we're going to be with him. There's going to be tribulation on this earth for seven years. Three and a half years is going to be troubles and trials and tribulation. The last three and a half years, it's going to be nothing but hell on earth. 
I'm glad I'm going to be in heaven. Because that time of tribulation is when the wrath of God is going to fall upon this earth. You want to hear something else? Revelation chapter 19, verse 15. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Do you understand that? The wrath of God will fall upon the sin of this world. And it will come to your sin. But I thank God that when you come to the cross and you ask Jesus to save you, your sins are judged right there. And He takes care of that sin by covering in the blood. He's my salvation. He delivers me. He sets me free. He saves me. That's what God wants to do for us. That's what God has said to us. So He gives us a light so that we could obtain salvation. The Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 said, For God hath not appointed us to wrath. He doesn't want you to obtain His wrath. But He wants us to obtain salvation by Jesus Christ who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we live together with Him. He died for us. So that we wouldn't have to be a part of the wrath of God. God is our salvation. And so Jesus died for us. He died on our behalf. He paid the price for us. He atoned for us. That word means to cover. He covers us in His blood. He reconciles us to God. We are enemies of God. Scripture teaches us that. And when Christ comes into our lives, He reconciles us. He brings us together. And we become a part of who He is. And He brings us into salvation so that we don't have to be afraid. Let me tell you what I mean here. Let me find John chapter 1 right quick. Listen to this verse. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You don't have to be afraid. You know why? Because if you receive him, then you have a father. If you receive him, you become his child. If you receive Christ, He is building a home for you. And one of these days, I'm going to occupy mine, and so will you, if you know that Jesus, God Almighty, is your salvation. Notice what He said. He's my light. He's my salvation. Notice this last one. He is the strength of my life. You see, that, that's where it is. That's where our strength is. And it comes from our worshiping Him. Jehovah God is our strength. That word means a refuge. It means a stronghold. It means there's safety there. He has strengthened us. Do you know there's times that God has strengthened you and you didn't even know it? How many times has God protected you when you were doing stupid stuff? How many times have you felt God protect you? How many times have, have, you, have you known that God has taken care of you? How many times have you felt the strength of God? And you didn't even know He did it, but yet there's times when God strengthens you and you know that God has done that. Guess what? That's called experience. That's what increases our faith. And so God is our strength, and He wants us to experience Him, and so that we will not forget who He is. When we walk with the Lord, don't ever forget this, 
He will pounce on you. Satan will pounce on you. Verse 2. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fail. He wants to devour us. He wants to devour our faith. He wants us to devour our, our sight. He wants us to devour the light that is surrounding us. Satan, if you give in to him, he'll let you walk in worry. Well, you better worry. You better fret. You, you better just sit back and say, God, you can't do this. I'll do it for you. And, and we begin to worry. He makes us love each other with a lie. We lie to each other about how much we really care, how much we love each other. He brings us joy, but it's filled with jealousy. You see, that's, that's the thing that Satan does to us. But notice verse 2. Notice what God does. And I love the way Charles Spurgeon put this. Because Spurgeon, in, in addressing this verse, Spurgeon said, the, trial, the trials will come and, the, and it will strengthen us so that we can prove ourselves to God. And as we come through these trials, we become stronger in our faith. And he said, when that happens, God knocks the legs out from under him. They stumbled and they fell. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. When Satan comes after you and you worship God and you walk in his strength, in his light, and in his salvation, you let Satan come on because God will take him down. You don't have to. God will. And, I, you know, I think he can do it and never have to get penalized for an illegal block. Targeting's legal in heaven. And he's targeting Satan because he wants to take him away from you. Jehovah God is my strength. Pharaoh said, who is God that I should obey him? Goliath said, why did you send me a dog out? I'll destroy you and all of God's people. And all it took was David and five little stones, and Goliath fell. And the reason he had five stones was he heard Goliath had four brothers. You'll get that after a while. He is Jehovah God. When you wind up or rise up with bent from your bended knee, worshiping God, I want you to look down to verse 11, and then verse 14. There's two things he wants you to do. Let me teach you. Teach me in the way, O Lord, and lead me in the plain path because of my enemies. Let God take you around the potholes. But look at verse 14. Here it is. Wait on the Lord. Why isn't this over with? Wait on the Lord. Wait. I don't know. Wish I could tell you. Wait. That's all I can tell you. Because God's in control of this. But notice what follows that. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Wait. Let God be the strength of your life. See that little triangle there? He is my light. He is my salvation. He is my strength. And folks, we don't have to be afraid. God is in control. Let him have your heart. If you don't know him as your Savior, you need to receive him. And don't you do it some other time and say, I'll, I'll come and do it later. You don't know when, what's going to happen later. Today is the day of salvation. Come and find him. Let him be your strength. But let him be our strength as we go forth in this world. Let's pray together.
with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm asking you to trust the only God who can bring strength to you and can save you. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, man, woman, boy, or girl, I don't, I don't care. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you need to pray this prayer with me. And you need to do it in faith, believing that God will do what you're going to ask Him to do. And here's the prayer. Dear Father, I know that I'm a lost sinner. I believe Jesus Christ died for me. And I believe He rose again. By faith, Lord Jesus, I ask You to come into my heart. Forgive me of all of my sin. Save me, Lord. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. If you pray that prayer with me, I want you to get up and come. Let me talk to you a minute. Come. Maybe you want to pray that prayer. Get up and come right now. Nobody's looking. Just come and sit right there. I'll come to you. We'll talk. Maybe you need a church home this morning. God has brought you here. You're, you're a member of another church, but you're... You're not active, you're not going, God is, is leading you here. Then you come by letter, by statement for baptism. We can work all that out. You come and come to him. Do what he's asked you to do. Let him be the strength of your life because you've been saved by him and he lights your path today. Let's follow him. Father, in the name of Jesus, give us the boldness to step out. Give us the strength, Lord. Help us to worship you. Father, thank you. For what you're going to do in Jesus' name. As we stand together and as we sing, I invite you to come right now. You come, but come quickly.